गुरुदेव की जय श्रीमन महाप्रभु की जय श्री हरिनाम संकीर्तन की जय घोर भक्त वृंद की जय घोर प्रमान हरिभो सो गुड मॉर्निंग टू ऑफ यू हियर I find myself as you may realize because of my warm clothes in the US in the United States back again here in North Carolina some days ago so we are continuing with our series of lectures after some brief interruption due to my journey so today we will we are in our 8th meeting of our Vaishnava etiquette series rules and love in the life of a sadhaka So today we will begin if you will a new topic although everything is quite interconnected. So after having spoken about uh, Guru Seva and Sadhu Sangha today we will continue extending the idea in the context of Sadaka Deha. Today and most probably not only today but for some other lectures we will speak about what to do with the Sadaka Deha if we will or what's the role of the Sadaka Deha in the context of Vaishnava etiquette. What, which type of etiquette, which type of decorum should we express in connection to the Sadaka Deha or the Vaishnava Deha body? But as usual, let's first make some brief recap of what we were discussing last uh, week, last Thursday. We were finishing our section on Sadhu Sangha. We had two meetings in connection to that. And we shared some further uh, tips, if you will, in, in connection to how to relate with the Vaishnavas, how to express proper concern for one another. The human element is there in Vaishnavism. It's important to understand when we speak about being humans uh, that uh, when that has not nothing has nothing to do with. Something separate from Vaishnavism. If we if we speak about Sadhu Sangha, humanity is included there, mm. and more, if you will. Mm. Vaishnavism speaks about humanity and it speaks about divinity, mm. divine humanism, as my Guru Maharaj will say. So some human considerations in the context of Sadhu Sangha are, of course, totally more than welcome and more than necessary for it to be Sadhu Sangha. Mm. So we should express. proper concern for one another in the context of satsang in the context of community life in the context of being part of a family of a group of a common ideal such a glorious ideal that we have in common by the grace of mahaprabhu and the and guru and goranga so we should take care of that in many ways and also one of the many ways we should take care of that is also we spoke about how to deal with differences of opinion how to be respectful when we are relating with not only with equal vaishnav but senior vaishnav of whoever even junior vaishnavs we may differ in opinion and we may we have to engage ourselves in the exercise of empathy and trying to to go to the other person's uh, heart and view of of things and try to connect with that instead of very quickly attacking or arguing Uh, judging, mm-hmm. misapprehending, basically reality. 
So that on one side. Of course, at the same time, it is recommended. Sila Rupa Goswami recommends that in order in order to nourish our deepest hunkerings, if you will, we should look for a specific type of sadhu sangha, especially in the very beginning. He mentions these three ideas: swajatiya, snigda, and swatavara, which means we should associate. And with these women in intimate terms, close terms, with those who are of our own family, if you will, of our own species, of the same nature, sajatiya. That's necessary also as well. Even though we have to know how to deal with differences, <laughs> and with those who are very different to us, at the same time it's natural that we will birth of the same feather flock together, as they say. Snigda also. Snigdasim is... They have to be affectionate. That Sadhu Sangha not only has to be a similar nature or a similar shelter, a similar affinity, and different possibilities for this, for Siswayatya. Snigda, affectionate dealing should be there. And Swatavara. Ideally, we should always remain under the shelter of those who are higher than us. It's important, of course, to have people above our heads at every single moment in our life. So we can, every, that will be put ourselves in context. Mm-hmm. But also sometimes we should know how to deal with seniority, if you will, in the sense that if we remain too much time, too close to someone too much higher than us, that may be also overwhelming. We may not know what to do with such a degree of uh, purity and insight. So sometimes it is recommended that on a daily basis mm-hmm. we also may have the connection with some sadhus that maybe not that much higher than us, <laughs> in the sense that they are closer to our present situation than some other great Paramahamsas that may be so high that on too close too, too much proximity with that, we may not be ready for that. That can happen, so we should be sincere about that. My Guru Mahesh compared Sadhu Sangha to fire, so if you get too close to the fire, you may get burnt, and if you get too far from the fire, you may not cook yourself properly and remain in a raw condition and not become an proper offering for Krishna, for him to eat, if you will. So we should be honest about our own present capacity of dealing with the swaha, with the fire of Sadhusana, how much we have become ourselves fire-like, and how much our own constitution have become, have made, have transformed into fire. Because eventually that, yes, we may become fire if we continue with the idea of the analogy fully drench it into that fire that we can get not only close to the fire but fully jump into them into that element and live there forever that's the idea the ultimate idea to be immersed in the fullness of sadhu sangha but again it's a gradual process so we should know how to deal with that we should know how to take proper distances not only of high again level higher levels of purity that may overwhelm us for moments but also of course going to the other extreme and we also spoke about that for example do not tolerate gossip mm? do not tolerate Vaishnav apparat mm? Vaishnav etiquette uh, mandates that for example if you are in a place that your guru is being offended your guru is not being welcomed if you will mm? in a certain particular place or person basically the conclusion will be I don't have anything to do here period mm? if, if, if I'm if I was visiting, for example, a temple, and I know that my guru is being offended there, and they are not appreciating it, I don't have anything to do there, even for social reasons and so on. 
So we should understand these sensibilities. It's not creating enmity, it's not being angry with anyone, but to understand how to be a proper lady and gentleman in the context of Vaishnavism. So in the context of not engaging in gossip, we also mentioned some uh, four steps, or five, I don't remember, to engage in constructive criticism. So that's an important way of also filtering our experience in the proper way. Then we also share some ideas regarding the principle of pranam, offering obeisances, uh, how to invoke some internal movement through an external movement, and not to underestimate such an engagement as part of our daily sadhana. It's important to, to, to include that, to make that part of our daily sadhana and give that the proper honor, if you will, it deserves, and allow ourselves to be affected by that as it has the potential to do. Also, we spoke about how this daily pranam should be offered between devotees, not only to the guru or to the deity or to the sannyasi, and that's all, but in a natural way trying to develop this idea of wanting to venerate, worship everything, everyone. We have to begin somewhere. We also share some more technical aspects of how to offer pranam to one's guru in, from, in the front or to the deities from one left side, to the devas from right side, like a way of establishing different tattwas or different hierarchies of personalities, I will say. Different degrees of pranam were there also Ashtanga pranam, Panchanga pranam with eight limbs, like what's sometimes called Dandavat, or with five limbs pranam. Mm -hmm. I'm trying to say, again, we also spoke a little bit about that with one question made by Brikupal, regarding that if we say Dandavat, ideally we should be performing that, we should be doing that, not necessarily only saying that, because we may become just accustomed to say Banchakalpa Prabhu. I heard, I've heard that many times, I don't like that. <laughs> Banchakalpa Prabhu, Banchakalpa Mataji, Banchakalpa... We, we don't even say the whole mantra, we just say Banchakalpa, which means desire tree. So it makes no, no sense to say to someone, Ban desire tree Prabhu, desire tree. I mean, we, we may be drift, drawn to the superficial level of these things, and we just... No, a whole practice that has the potential to awaken something very special and our heart becomes reduced to a two-word quote that we all may pronounce it in a mechanical way. So that shouldn't happen. Because everything has the potential of, of going in that direction. We can also chant Harinam from a mechanical way and do everything in a superficial way and, and start to perceive all these extraordinary elements of our daily life as a sadhaka in an ordinary terms. So that's a great challenge for us as sadhakas on a daily basis. Understand, I'm surrounded by extraordinary items, hmm? prasadam, diti, harinam, vaishnav, shastra, everything. But the danger is there to gradually get accustomed to that in a superficial way and start to see the extraordinary as ordinary. Hmm? And we lose hmm? the appreciation, lose the vision of what is what, and of course our Practice will be conducted with an ordinary view, and of course the fruit won't be that extraordinary as well. So on a daily basis we should remember the nature of all this paraphernalia, if you will. And especially nowadays, that we will we live in the era in the era in the times of <clears throat> making everything more brief. A bridge abbreviation you say in English? When everything is said with less words. <clears throat> 
less letters even nowadays with social media people sometimes write words taking off vowels I sometimes find difficult to, to, to understand that or sometimes using just initials no I know that in some circles for example they are accustomed to 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 sign or to write like pamho pamho which are the initials for please accept my humble obeisances or they may put A-G-T-S-P, all glories to Srila Prabhupada, or something like this. But my point, if, if I want really to say to you, please accept my humble obeisances, I will, I will do it, I will say it fully. I will, I will find the time to write the whole sentence, and I will find the time to go to the floor myself and put my hand in the ground. And if I want to say, oh glories to my Guru Maharaj, I won't say that with initials. I, I won't try to make it as brief as possible, as quick as possible. Or if I want to speak about my Guru Maharaj, ideally, I shouldn't just put, I don't know, GM, Guru Maharaj. Sometimes I understand we, are, we don't have time. But we should, under, we should be attentive in that case that that's not affecting my appreciation of those, if you will, magical moments where I have the chance of invoking the name of Sri Guru and, and, and expressing certain feelings with the Vaishnava and so on. So I, again, if I feel it, I will say it fully. I will do it. Again, that's the idea. Now we also concluded our previous lecture with the famous Hindu principle, Atiti Deva Bhavam. Like an, an, an guest, especially an uninvited guest, is to be treated as God himself. So how to be, develop this art of hosting, how to receive a Vaishnava, how to receive anyone, but especially Vaishnavas. As we mentioned, if we don't have anything to offer to him, to her, a seat, food, drink, shower, at least smile and sweet words and of course if we have different elements there may be also some standards according to the the degree of the visit if you will great great personality and so on and we also finished our our last lecture with sharing the story of the Raja Sujayaknya concerning Draupadi and this Nirupadi Vaishnav and who was mixing all preparations and how we are to appreciate properly Vaishnav not to judge him or her according to some external relative behavior if you will so in this way we, are, we have tried to emphasize the importance of how Sadhu Sangha and the Sadhus are part of our altar if you will of our worshipable um, pantheon I always remember Srila Siddhar Maharaj including his, the, the general mention of his god siblings into his song Jai Sachinandan at the end he glorified all Mahaprabhu and all his, his eternal associates then his Guru Maharaj, Prabhupada Bhaktisiddhanta, and then he included his god-brother, god-sisters there, like trying to connect you know, all this current in one, in one single um, type of alignment of, of descent. Not, so the point is, not only my Guru, Krishna and me, not only I surrender fully to my Guru, but all everything that is related to him, to her, um, what to speak, his disciples, his sevakas, his servants, my god brothers, my god sister, all that is a very sacred mm, uh, environment. So we should properly conceive that, approach that, and know how to deal with that. So we share some, in this way, some ideas in our last lecture and the previous one to that about Sadhu Sangha. And today we will continue mm, trying to connect one topic with the other about we will speak about sadaka deha or the body deha of the sadaka of an aspirant practitioner what to do with that and different 
considerations in connection to that. So I think that this will take us at least two lectures for sure. So, as we mentioned in the very first class, Vaishnava etiquette teaches us how to deal with the sacred, if you will, with sacred personalities, Guru, Vaishnav, but also with sacred items, sacred objects, sacred paraphernalia, or basically to, to perceive the sacredness everywhere, <coughs> ultimately. So if we speak about sacred objects, sacred items, well, we have to go to our sadhakadeha, our body, our quote-unquote, as we will see. So sadhakadeha is a very important ingredient in this, because we could say sadhakadeha is a sacred item which has been given to us by a sacred person, Sri Guru. So Vaishnava etiquette is teaching us how to deal with sacred people and sacred items. So Sadhakati has to do with both. It's a sacred item, but given as a gift to us by sacred, most sacred personality. So it's it's important to understand how Vaishnava etiquette plays out in connection to this body. So we will describe, we will share some ideas uh, regarding the proper etiquette in connection to the Sadhakadeha in terms of both proper conception hmm, of it, how to properly conceive what we call our body, hmm, and how to engage hmm, that body, that particular sense of identity, if you will, in our daily routine. Hmm. So we will share some practical issues of the day, the, a day in the life of a devotee, if you will. Hmm. Different codes of cleanliness and purity in connection to the body, again, to, uh, revolving around this idea of sadhakadeha. Hmm. So in, in this way today, or maybe next lecture, we will enter in further detail about the, the daily schedule of a devotee. In a general way, of course, there will be always some adjustments and details that will vary in one case or the other. But first of all, <clears throat> let's define what's a sadaka. Before speaking about sadakadeha and defining sadakadeha, first of all we have to understand the first word there, sadaka. So sadaka, as I mentioned, is generally translated as practitioner, which is connected to the idea of sadhana. Someone who is engaging in sadhana is a sadaka. Someone who will attain bhava will be a bhavuka. Someone who attains prem will be a premika. Mm. So sadaka has to do with sadhana, and sadhana has and, and, and that identity of a sadaka again is not a bhavuka, it's not a premika, it's not a siddha, in other words, it's, it's not that of a perfected being, fully enlightened one. But also we we are not speaking anymore about in terms of bada jiva. Mm. So to be a sadaka is something in between. Being a Bada Jiva, a conditioned soul, fully under the influence of Maya Shakti, and on the other extreme, a Siddha, a fully perfected being, fully under the influence of the Swarup Shakti, Sadaka is in between of them. Of course, there are different levels and degrees of being a Sadaka, since there are different stages of Sadhana, from Srada to Asakti. But basically, a Sadaka, again, to, to focus in one specific direction, sadaka is someone who is dedicated to sadhana, 
So as much as we are dedicated to sadhana, we can speak in terms of being a sadhaka ourselves. And what's sadhana? Sadhana bhakti? Kriti sadhya bhavet sadhya bhavasya sadhana avida nitya siddhasya bhavasya prakatyam hridi sadhya tasa Goswami. He's describing their officially sadhana bhakti in his Bhakti Rasamrita Sindhu. So basically, the first part has to do with Kriti Sadhya Bhavet Sadhya Bhavasadhanavida. So sadhana means engaging using one's senses for the pleasure, if you will, of Krishna's senses. Or using one's body. One's body is made of senses. If you take off all the senses, all the senses, you have no no body basically. So when we say using your senses means using your body, and body means in this case, sadhakadeha. So using your senses in sadhana, is another way of saying, dedicating your sadhakadeha for the pleasure of Bhagavan. Rishikena, Rishikesh, Shivanam Bhakti Ruchate, also a famous definition of bhakti, sarvopadivinir muktam, nirmalam. To use the senses for the pleasure of the Lord of the senses, Krishikesh, one name for Krishna, the master of the senses. So that means all our senses are ideally conceived to be directed towards Him for His pleasure. So in other, word, in other words, our Sadhakadeha is there to engage it for the pleasure of Krishna's senses. And eventually, when that's fully applied, that will give rise to Prem. That's the very definition of Prem given by Krishna Das Kavirash. Which says, Krishnandriya priti cha dhari premanam. Admandriya priti vamcha tari balikam. When your senses are misdirected towards your own senses, <laughs> no, when you, your senses exist for and, in, and for themselves, basically for the sake of themselves, that's called um, selfish desire, basically. That's called lust. We'll say Krishnandriya. When you use your senses for the sake of your senses, that's what we call calm or last. But when your senses are being fully directed for the pleasure of Krishna's senses, Krishna and Driya, that's what we call Prem. So, sadhana naturally points in that direction. The goal of sadhana is to take us to bhava, nityasiddhasya bhavasya, and, of course, the churning of that bhava becomes Prem. So, in this way, Sadaka or Sevaka, as we also mentioned in some point, one will be a Sadaka as much as one is engaging in this. Again, we, we, we don't have one degree of being a Sadaka. There are so many degrees. How to measure that according to how much you are investing, if you will, your own senses, your own Sadaka Deha, for the pleasure in a favorable way, in a favorable mood, with the intention of invoking pleasure for Hari Guru Vaishnavas. So again, we have Bada Jiva on one extreme, Sida on another extreme, Sadaka in the middle, which is already, as we will see, a very glorious situation. Hmm? Once my Guru Maharaj gave a nice depiction or description, way of speaking about these three levels of personality. Hmm? On one side you have the Bada Jiva, he said, and, and, and the Sadaka and the Sida. Bada Jiva will be being lost. Sadaka will mean being found. Mm. And Siddha means arrive home. Mm. 
So we are sadhakas have not arrived home yet, but we are no longer lost. We have been found. It's not that we ourselves found, but we have been found by the sadhu, by bhakti, vritti, by the wave of bhakti. And that wave is taking us home gradually. It's pointing in that direction. So we are already on the boat towards home. We just do not have to jump from the boat back to the whoever with the ocean of samsara. So that's the difference between Bada Jiva, Sadaka and Siddha. The Bada Jiva is someone who is lost, has lost his her way, an Adi without beginning. A Siddha is someone who is at home, and a Sadaka is someone who is not at home but who has been found and is on the way back home, back to Godhead, as Prabhupada will say. My Guru Maharaj also quotes this repeatedly this quote, this idea of Vishnu Yang Swami, who will say that the distance that we have walked from where we till till reaching the feet of our guardians is much longer than the distance we have from where we are now at Sadakas to our basically home on Siddhas. Brahmanda Brahmiti Kona Guru Krishna Prasad Bhakti we have been wandering in the creation of Brahma for innumerable births, uncountable, and by the grace of Krishna Guru we have received Bhakti Latavich, the seed of the creeper of Bhakti. And again, try to understand, without beginning, Anadi, without beginning we have been wandering under the influence of Maya Shakti, and now we have been found by the grace of the Sadhu. So that's a very glorious moment. And that's what sadhaka has to do. I have been found, I have been blessed, and now I am trying to return the embrace, as we said the other day. Trying to dedicate, realign, orientate properly my senses in the proper direction now. And of course, again, to be a sadhaka implies work and progress. Also, my Guru Mahesh will translate sadhaka in that way. Work and progress. Still, there is some conditioned side in us, if you will, but our prospect is brilliant, in the words of Siddhar Maharaj. Our prospect, due to the grace, the merciful dispensation that has come to us by Mahaprabhu, Nityananda Prabhu and the Sadhus, is so wide, so deep and so broad, that in one sense we, we should feel I'm already saved, unless, of course, I, I shouldn't abuse that idea, and, and, and become lazy and, and become hypocritical and so on. But if I'm trying to do things properly and not engage in apparat, we are on our way back home again. But in the midst of that, well, some stuff may have to be dealt with, if you will. Some unbecoming elements may still be there lingering and we should deal with some some forms of imperfection yet, if you will. I remember... I think it was last year when I was again here in in North Carolina, and I was invited to a uh, to a like a puppet show, giant puppet show, which one of my god sisters Gopalandini was being part of. So we were invited there with some of the devotees. It was a very nice experience. And before this main uh, group was performing, his her, their presentation, there was another musical group that was like the opening of the whole event. And the, and the opening of the... And this, the name of this group, I remember, was Charming Disaster. <laughs> so 
So immediately when I heard the name of the group, Charming Disaster, I was not, I couldn't avoid connecting the idea of Charming Disaster to the experience of being a sadaka, basically a progressive sadaka. You want to make progress, you want to cha change, to grow, but still there is some disaster portion yet there. But it's charming because it's, it's, it's expressing itself in the context of extraordinary grace. So it's not just horrible disaster, unbecoming disaster, but it's a charming one. So I, I was not able to avoid that. When I saw that, I, my mind went immediately to myself, basically. No, I'm trying to be a good sadaka, but still some disaster stuff is there. But it's charming one, not because I'm charming, but because of, of the charm of the grace that has knocked on my door. So still there will be some embarrassing moments in our life as sadakas, no doubt. We shouldn't be extremely uh, nervous about that. We should be able, willing to confess, if you will, that in confidence to our well-wishers. That's part of what does it mean to be a sadaka. But that embarrassing stuff, that charming disaster, will express itself again in the context of a very noble, unglorious context, as Bhakti is which afford us the prospect, the possibility of becoming real servants. Mm -hmm. So again, to be a sadaka is glorious, and to be a sadaka is not something easy. Mm -hmm. It's not that easy. And that's why it's glorious. <laughs> that's precisely what being a sadaka is something glorious, because it's not that easy. Mm -hmm. And that's why it's beautiful. Everything really beautiful, all the things that are really beautiful and glorious in life, need to present a certain level of complexity, challenge, difficulty. And by properly embracing that, we will be able to really connect with with the glorious side of it. So the sadhaka is not exception to this rule. So, that's some ideas about what does it mean to be a sadhaka. We can continue speaking about that, but let me continue. Since as sadhakas, and I want to connect this with the idea of sadhaka deha, as sadhakas we receive from Sri Guru as sadhaka deha. When? The moment of initiation. And what, what's, what's the meaning of this? Because you may say, a new body, I receive an initiation, I never realized that. I looked myself in the mirror and it's the same face. What's the difference? What's the new body there? <laughs> but again, it's a sadhaka deha, which means a new conception of how to utilize your body. In one sense, the body is the same. In another sense, your body is being um, um, affected by bhakti. Guru is giving mantra. Guru is giving a whole new sense of identity. He's giving a, a whole new sense of identity with a corresponding body to that identity. He's given a new name, spiritual name. He's giving Kantimala. He's putting Tilak and so on. So many ornamentation to make us remember, oh, this is not my body as I thought of before anymore. It's a new sense of identity in which my body made of senses now receive a new orientation when I become awakened to the idea of my senses are there for the pleasure of the Lord, the senses. So in that sense, we have a new identity and in that sense, we have a new body, material body which starts the process of spiritualization, if you will. Mm -hmm. So as my Guru Mahesh would say, as much as we take advantage of this, of this Sadaka Deha, we will be able to have a Siddha Deha. Mm -hmm. If someone very anxiously 
and has, is very eager about having a Sadeha, well, the best thing you can do is knowing how to deal with your Sadekadeha. Because if you are not doing your homework with your Sadekadeha, there will be no Siddhadeha waiting for you. You may think you have, or whatever, but it will be more a mental thing. Hmm? So, it's basically knowing what to do with the Sadekadeha, what will warranty hmm, our entrance into the Siddha domain. Mm-hmm. Once my Guru Maharaj said that, he said it, to reach the goal to become a Siddha in relation to that, he said it won't take long if you take the time to be a Sadaka. Mm-hmm. It won't take long to reach the goal, it won't take long to become a Siddha if you take the time to be a Sadaka. If you take the time, in other words, to properly engage your Sadaka Deha. Mm-hmm. So again, this is a process, a gradual process, it's not white. Black and white. And from one day I was Bada Jiva, next day I'm a Sadaka, next day I'm a Siddha or whatever. It's a very nuanced progression. This, what we sometimes call the Christian expression, transubstantiation of matter. This happens in a gradual way. Let me share some words about from Sri Vishwanath Chakrabarti Thakur that he gives in one commentary, in his Sarartha Darshini commentary to the Srimad Bhagavatam, in verse 11, or chapter 29 of 10th canto of the Bhagavatam, just right at the beginning of the Rasa Panchadhyaya. So he's speaking there about the nature of the Sarakadeha. So he says like this, The devotee's body is considered to be near guna, because, not free from the gunas, because on the order of his or her spiritual master, all of his or her senses are engaged in the transcendental service of Krishna. Thus, because the objects of the devotee's senses are Bhagavan's qualities, the devotee also becomes Nirguna, because Bhagavan is Nirguna. However, so in the beginning it seems like right from day one we have Nirguna body and we're totally transcendental. But however, at the same time, because the sadaka also makes material things the object of his or her senses now and again, the sadaka's body is also gunamai, or constituted of material qualities. Therefore, the sadaka deha is partly nirguna and partly gunamaya. This is explained in further detail in Srimad Bhagavatam 11.2.42. Thus, as one progresses spiritually through sadhana, the spiritualized portion of one's body increases, and the material portion is gradually reduced. When one reaches the stage of prem, one's body is completely spiritualized, a non-mundane portion remains. So very clearly here, Vishwanachakrati Thakur describes the, the, how gradual is this spiritualization, how it depends on how much we are making Bhagavan, the object of our senses, again. And that will, in, in, in turn, spiritualize our senses, as much as we make Bhagavan the object, the shy of our sense uh, engagement, if you will. But as much as we do that with material elements, sense objects, okay, the senses will remain gunamai, not nirgun. So this is a gradual process and has to do with how much we dedicate our senses in that direction. So, but properly engaged, as you can see, the Sadaka Deha is something really, 
really glorious. And eventually when that Sarakadeha becomes fully engaged, fully spiritualized, it is even say that it becomes worshipable for Bhagavan himself. And this is mentioned in a very nice section in Chaitanya Charitamrita, Dikshakale, Bhaktakare Atmasamarpana, say Kare Krishna Tare, Kare Atmasan. You say that in the moment of Diksha, or when the process of Diksha is fully in place, I will say, and one makes of oneself Atma Samarpana, a full offering, a complete offering for the pleasure of Bhagavan, body, mind, words, that body of oneself becomes so spiritualized that it's considered by Krishna to be on his same level. Krishna considers that body and that devotee on an equal level, worshipable for himself, basically. And again, the point is, this Sadhakadeha is so... Um, but Mahaprabhu himself emphasized that in this section of the of the Chaitanya Charitamrita. It's, it's in the context of Sanatana Goswami, as you may know, having some bruises on the body and some unbecoming substances, if you will, according to his view, oozing out from the body. And he wanted to engage, commit suicide because Mahaprabhu was touching him, embracing him. He was feeling very bad about that. He was feeling himself miserable and I'm offending Sri Gaur Sundar. My life is becoming worse and worse. I will end with this body. Basically, I will throw myself under the cart of Jagannath in the Rath, in the next Rath Yatra. He was thinking about that. So at, at one point, no, he was basically he was trying to do away with his Sadakadeha, in, in brief words. So Mahaprabhu called him, as you may know, and he said, I know what you have in your mind, and do, do not think about that for a moment. Because I have lots of plans, I have a big agenda, <laughs> that will be uh, accomplished through that body, through your Sadakadeha. In other words, he said, that body is mine, it's not yours. So I have many, many plans to do with that body, and I will... Last thing you have to think is about doing away with it. And eventually, of course, Sanatana Goswami was saved and cured and so on. And he did so many wonderful things. So Mahaprabhu did so many wonderful things through his Sadakadeha, Sanatana's Sadakadeha. But the point here, an important point here that we will try to emphasize now is Mahaprabhu said to Sanatana, that's not your body. Do not think it's my body. I can do with my body whatever I like. It's mine. No, it's not yours. Again, it's a gift. Someone, something that was given by your guru. So it's not yours. In one sense, you receive the gift, but as we will see, this is not a gift we can claim mm, proprietorship in relation to. Mm. So this properly used, again, this Sargadeha will be mm, ultimately worshipable for Mahaprabhu, for Krishna, and will exist forever in the Gorlila. To say that if this in this person's lifetime, for to give an example, some devotee attains Prem, mm, that Sarakadeha becomes totally spiritualized, totally worshipable, and in that same body, of course, being younger, 13-year-old Brahmin Kishore, Brahmin boy, he or she will serve hmm, Mahaprabhu in Nityanavadvip, in that body, and that's the very idea of this concept of Samadhi, when someone is dying, hmm, a very, someone that you, re, it's, it's, it's recognizable that that person achieved Siddhi, or perfection in devotion, so the body of that person is generally not cremated, but put in salt, which somehow or other maintains the body, preserves it. 
And on top of that, there's some, no, some uh, hole is made in the ground, the body is put there, covered with salt, and some commemoratory, some temple is built on top. Sometimes that's called samadhi. Samadhi also means full, perfect meditation, perfection, basically. Mahaprabhu showed that when Haridas Thakur passed away, as you may, as you may recall. That's a very nice chapter of the Chaitanya Charitamrita as well. Mahaprabhu himself took the body of Haridas, who was an outcast, as our Guru Mahesh explained yesterday and obeyed this up to me, on a social level that was considered totally unthinkable. Mahaprabhu was a Brahmin, a sannyasi, and he was embracing the body of an outcast, a Muslim, and so on, according to the Barnashram view. But Mahaprabhu wanted to make a higher point there. So he said, This Haridas is totally beyond all, all Upadis, all designations, all limiting adjuncts. He's not Muslim, he's not man, he's not, he's Siddhi, he's Siddha, he's a perfected being. His body is fully spiritual. So he took that body, embraced that, danced with that, bathed the body in the ocean of Puri himself, and then Mahaprabhu himself made the hole where the body was put into Samadhi, organized the whole Tirubhap Mahatsa for Haridas Thakur and so on. And with this he wanted to make this point. The, point, the body can, has the potential... The sadaka they have properly engaged it has the potential to become so spiritualized that it becomes the object of Bhagavan's own worship and service. So this is a very interesting point because on one side we we may be accustomed, if you will, to hearing about uh, to hear about we are not this body. Srila Prabhupada was famous for this quote, and of course we are not contradicting him here. Because he said, we are not this body. So what did he mean by this? <laughs> he, he was not referring to the Sadaka Deha for sure. He was referring to the body as we may think of in terms of sense enjoyment. My body is mine. And, and this is a vehicle that creates so much expectation about prospect of enjoyment in the world. We are not that body. We are not that prospect. We are not that conception, uh, distorted conception of the self. So when Prabhupada says we are not this body, of course it's a level of trying to create certain detachment from our engrossed situation in matter. But again, if we go beyond that, that's a very important point to understand for sure. Because in the name of Sadaka Deha and identifying ourselves with our Sadaka Deha, again, that cannot be an excuse to indulge in sense enjoyment. Because again, Sadaka Deha is... My senses are there for the sense pleasure of Bhagavan. Mm-hmm. So, again, on one, on one level we can say we are not the body. On a higher level because we can make full circle and say we are the body. We are this Sadaka Deha. And we can develop further our identity with it. And understand, this Sadaka Deha is a divine gift, as I mentioned from Sri Guru. Mm-hmm. So in that sense I can say, I am that body. Because that body fully, perf- perfectly used and spiritualized will become part of my eternal identity, will become a spiritual body, will become, become drenched, infused with bhava. So all the material elements will will be transcended, integrated into a higher synthesis, if you will, a bhava deha, a body made of emotions. That That's the potential of the present sadaka deha. And, it, and as I said before, and let me finish with this important point, that this body, 
sarak deha jab sarak deha is not ours this is a very important point because generally we unconsciously at least we tend to act in that way this is my body so i have rights to that i can do whatever i like with that i have control of that i'm the one who this but if you understand this is not mine this is something given by a sacred person my guru gave me this gift and it belongs to him actually not to my to me of course we in this world are accustomed that if someone gives me a gift it fully belongs to me now and i have full rights to it <laughs> but here we are speaking about a very different gift if you speak about bhakti we receive bhakti as a gift dana chaitanya charitamrita today I was doing some research in that direction at least I found like 20 quotes where it, the, the expression dana, which means gift, is used in connection to bhakti, connection to prem. So how that's, it's a gift that we receive. But at the same time, we cannot claim full proprietorship. No? Bhakti is a gift. It's not that bhakti is mine now. Actually, I'm trying to belong to bhakti, to become an object in her hands. So sadhakadeha is another way of speaking about bhakti being bestowed of us, on us. So Sadakadeha is a gift. It means bhakti is a gift. Because Sadakadeha is a bhakti body, if you will. It's an infusion of bhakti on our, on our present material body. So actually what the gift there is bhakti. When we say he gave us a new body, <clears throat> actually we are saying Gurudev gave us a connection with bhakti, with parampara. And that is affecting my body, bodily constitution. So the point is, it's not mine. It's a gift I cannot give to myself. It's a gift I cannot give to myself. I cannot bestow on my own self bhakti. I am receiving that without deserving that, as we know. It's a costless gift. But we cannot fully claim, again, proprietorship on that. So that this body is not mine. Even though we may say my body, my body in practical terms, we should remember it's not my body. Is a gift I do not deserve, doesn't belong to me. So how should I, the point is how I am to deal with the gift given by someone like Sri Guru, which ultimately does not belong to us. How, how should I treat that gift? With which type of consideration, awareness, care? Mm-hmm. So this this does this, this body Sadakadeha is not belonging to me. Actually, I belong to the owner of that gift, <laughs> if you will. And Sri Guru gave me the gift, and I am so indebted that I, I, I belong to that person. Hmm. So, if you understand, we have to really... It puts everything upside down. Hmm? We have to understand, to reconceive our addressing hmm, of what we think about in terms of my body. Hmm? So, we should relate to our quote-unquote, our sadhakadeha in this way. Hmm? This is a gift that I cannot become its owner. Those are the real gifts, I will say. Hmm? The real gifts, the deep gift, the most valuable gift, in the words of Srila Prabhupada, matchless gifts. Hmm? We'll, we will never be able to, to possess them. Hmm? Those are the real gifts. Those gifts that I, I, I can have for my own, I can take whenever I want, and they belong to me. Actually, they are not that much of a gift. The real gifts 
we will be ne we will never be able to possess them. But actually, we shall learn hmm, how to belong to them hmm, hmm, and to their owners, if you will, in this case, Sri Guru. So instead of thinking in terms of my body, my sadaka deha, I should think in terms of how can I surrender myself to my sadaka deha? Because my sadaka deha means the bhakti infused in this body by the grace of Guru. How can I belong to all of that? How can I surrender myself to that domain instead of trying to possess, control, exploit, enjoy hmm, something that is there to be worshipped by me? So I think these things are really important for us to ruminate, <laughs> to think about in depth, in detail, in time, because on a daily basis, this is a vehicle at every single moment, yet we are there, we are connected to that. So it's a, a very, at every single second of our daily life, we are dealing with this body. So if we are properly conceiving this point, our daily life will be really successful in that connection. But if not, that same vehicle can really become a source of entanglement because of our own misapprehension of that. Hmm? So, uh, I'll, I think I will finish for today here. I would like to, of course, continue sharing some ideas, but I think we can finish here today. We have given a very, uh, I think, thorough, hopefully, introduction to this idea of what does it mean to be a sadaka and to have a sadaka deha. And starting from next lecture, we will start to, in more practical terms, to share some ideas in connection to how to properly take care of this gift, properly honor it, uh, in, the, in, the, in, in the context of a day, the daily schedule of a devotee, in regarding to waking up, uh, cleaning the body, shower, tilak, uh, how to clean, ornament, ornament the sadhakadeha, and so many other considerations that, again, are to be engaged in, in the context of the present understanding I was sharing today. Without this conception that we are sharing today, we may just feel that all these rules about how to deal with the body may be, like, weird. But when you really understand what's this body, this sarakadeha, how sacred it is, all these other rules will fall in place and will be just natural common sense. So I hope it feels like that. Uh, and I think I, I may finish here today and from the, our next lecture we will continue with more again practical uh, considerations about how to properly mm, take all these ideas we shared today into our practice, into our daily mm, uh, schedule. But of course we have some time for questions, so I don't know if there are, are there any questions you may, may, may like to present. <clears throat> Ah, I have to to unmute you. Give me one second. Yes, who is speaking there? Ganga Shakti. Oh yes, yes, of course. Um, I really love this concept that this sadhaka deha, this body, doesn't belong to us. It feels really right. And could you please share some ideas? Because right now this is more of a mental concept about how to deal with it in practice? Well, again, basically I, I'd say that I plan to share that in further detail starting from next lecture. So today was more like of an introduction to that. 
Um, of course, I will say something, <laughs> but I, I will prefer to, to expand on that uh, in, in brief detail, in more detail, starting from next lecture. But when I say how to deal with that in terms of, of practical issues, well, to begin with, again, understanding, and I emphasize that because it's never enough to, to emphasize this. I mean, if you have, if you are aware, this body is not my body. This is a gift given by my guru. He gave it and he put it under my care. So sometimes you take care, you take more care of something that belongs to some other person that if it's yours, if you will. Or sometimes you have something that is your own. You may take care of that or not. <clears throat> but if you receive a gift from someone, and that someone is maybe the most special person in your life, and that person is giving you a gift and saying, please take care of this. This is a very important, valuable thing. Again, in a natural way, this is not has to do mental pressure or fear or stuff like this, but it's based on affection and confidence. So you receive such gift from that person. It's under your care. That's big commitment, big responsibility. Beautiful one, but big one. So my point is, if this is in place, again, if, if, and you are aware of that and you remind this to yourself, you won't be able to engage in nonsense with this body. Or every time you do so, you eventually will realize, oops, no, this was not the idea. I, I, I got distracted, basically. Again, that will happen, as Vishwanachakaratta could say. That's part of being a sadhaka, at least in certain stages. Advanced sadhakas, of course, will less and less become affected by that. But eventually, at one point, we will realize, oh, I'm using my body, and I am not aware. I forgot. I, I lost the orientation connected to this body. I lost the sambanda connected to this body. I was seeing the body as a vehicle for my own enjoyment. I tried to extract, to draw pleasure from my own senses for the sake of their senses, and that's all. Not very, very short-sighted perspective. Hmm? And again, we may learn from those mistakes when we, we act with that orientation. Because again, we speak about practical terms, but every practical situation has a conceptual background. Be before doing something, we do that with certain type of or understanding or orientation. <clears throat> so basically it's that. You know, when we can think of ourselves as a body and we conceive this body in terms of if it's there for facilitating my own separate enjoyment, of course we lose sight of the real purpose of having a sadhaka deha. But and sometimes that happens regarding whatever, any any try to think about any sense and any type of sense objects and any type of sense pleasure, whether it be eating or hearing music or or, or, or seeing, contemplating the object of the senses or whatever. Each particular sense has its corresp its corresponding sense object. So the point here is, we are not saying cancel all that, but just try to add, add bhakti to that, to understand, trying to, I mean, to relate directly my senses towards the sense object without the intermediate uh, presence of Bhagavan, bhakti there, that's, that's a recipe for, for misery, if you will. And we have tried that. I mean, we should also be intelligent and learn from our past experience. Every time that we try to enjoy, if you will, be happy or stop suffering, I will say, <laughs> by having some sense pleasure, and that's all, without thinking of Bhagavan or Sadhaka Deha, 
that it, it doesn't last for long. And it only lasts for a moment and eventually it becomes a source of anxiety and increased desire. That's, that's clearly revealed in the scripture and that's clearly our experience when we try to do so. Mm-hmm. So basically I refer to that. You can extend that to any single activity because from the day we wake up to the, to the moment we go to sleep, if we don't have proper orientation, every single thing we will do will be conceived in terms of sense enjoyment, basically. Our body will be seen as such. All the activities that our bodies engage will be seen as such. Mm-hmm. Dharma, Artha, Kama. I will work hard to gain money, but I will gain money to try to enjoy my senses, basically. <laughs> Unless, until you realize, no, Kama should lead to moksha, ideally, by, term, in, in, by way of frustration. Mm-hmm. By trying... Uh, trying and trying the wrong direction mm, to enjoy senses, sense objects with my senses, eventually leads to frustration and to the mm, reconsideration, this is not working. Mm. So that's when the idea of bhakti comes, if you will, that, that we should become grounded in that. My senses are not there to directly engage with sense objects mm, as it, it would be the all in all. Bhagavan should be there, bhakti should be there, protecting my interaction with sense objects. If I try only to interact with sense objects directly, that's, again, a dangerous situation. Because I'm putting things out of context. I'm losing sight of reality, of the source, of my senses, of the source of sense objects. So when I realize both my senses and the sense objects have their source, and he should be included in the equation of sense enjoyment, okay, that type of sense enjoyment becomes the goal the goal of life. I mean, it's it's just a matter of adding bhakti to our lives. We are not against sense enjoyment, actually. We are only against, if you will, of forgetting Krishna, <laughs> not considering him in the in the equation. So again, on the basis on that, uh, next lecture I will share some description of how to deal from the day we wake up, from the moment we wake up, along different morning activities and so on in a way that, that will hopefully uh, be connected to this notion of the sacredness of my sadhakadeha, but mainly it's our own task, our own daily discipline, to discipline our own mind, to discipline our own conception of who we are, our own sense of identity, and not lose sight of what's this body, what's the sadhakadeha, and what's its potential, and if we forget about that, go back to the to the proper conception and over and over again till there is a point that you really become fully situated in that. So some ideas. Next lecture I will speak in further detail. <clears throat> what else? Any other question? Here are some other questions from Bulgaria, Yatra. So there is one question here, another one in Facebook, so I will go to them. Radha Giridari, that's this. She's asking, uh, how does the de-initiation influence the strength of your sadhakadeha? Does it depend on the qualification of the guru who is giving the initiation? Thank you. Well, of course, that's something. That's a fact. Of course, if, if a guru is... There are levels of gurus, as we know. So... But also I will say, and, and this will be my main emphasis, it depends a lot on the sincerity of the disciple. 
Because also you can have the topmost Mahabhagavat, Uttam, Bhagavata, Paramahamsa, whatever, all the long fancy titles you may like to give to your guru. And he may be that person, the highest topmost devotee. But if you are not properly uh, willing to take advantage of that opportunity, there is not too much that can be said about that. On the other side, maybe your guru is not an Uttam Bhagavata, the topmost type of devotee, but if you have full sincerity, Krishna will make the arrangements for you to even receive eventually those things that may not even be in your guru in that particular case. <laughs> so I will, I, I, will, I will make the main emphasis in connection to our part, which is the, the part that we can control, if you will. How much we are putting our own selves in, in this equation. Because sometimes I see the devotees getting uh, excessively distracted about the qualification of the Guru. I'm not saying you shouldn't speak about that or you shouldn't think about that. Yes, we can do it. And we have done, and we do. But sometimes that becomes a kind of excuse and distraction about your Guru has to have this Adhikar and has to be this level of this, And we forget also that we as disciples have to have a particular adhikar and have to have, we should have a particular uh, stance, a particular attitude. And we spoke about that when we spoke about Guru Seva. We also have spoke about different levels of students or disciples and how it's 50-50 equation, if you will. The Guru is giving so much, of course, but the disciple is the vessel, has to receive that and do something with that. So it depends a lot of, on that side as well, teacher and student. So I think it's important that, of course, uh, your guru sh should be a Vaishnav, <laughs> a serious practitioner. We should be sure that those things are in place and to one level or another as much as we can see that. Of course, we may not be able to have the full vision from day one, but if we are sincere, we will get connected to, to, to some proper current. Mm -hmm. And, and of course, some things may happen on, on, in the way of that, and, and, and our sincerity will continue carrying us to an, a new wave, if you will, of shelter that can happen also in life. But the rest is, again, self-introspection and seeing how much we are willing to really take advantage of the gift. And not so much just being paranoid about, I want to receive the gift from the topmost, highest source possible on earth, as if that is a warranty that I don't have to do that much. Sometimes that's the background of that. I want the highest form possible type of guru. And, and sub, in a very subtle way, what's there is like, so I don't have to do practically anything. Because he is so high and he is so merciful and Jai Guru Dev. But actually it's a type of hypocrisy. Not always, but that can happen. And you kind of rest. You kind of relax yourself in the greatness of your Guru. He's so high, he's so advanced, and you show some false humility where you are not applying yourself as you should, on the level you should in practice. So I will choose to, to stress in this direction, how much we are taking advantage of the Sarakate, how we have received from our Guru, even if that Guru is not the topmost Vaishnava on earth. And what to speak, if he is a great Vaishnava. I mean, wh whether it be the case, my point is, our part should be the same. We should really <laughs> be going deep and deep into how to deal with that properly. Mm -hmm. 
So I hope that helps. Um, there is one question here on Facebook from Bhakti Shakti, at least one. Uh, okay, I think he's saying that I answered that question in my answer, in my reply to Ganga Shakti. So, okay, no problem. That that happens often. <laughs> um, so, any other question? Before finishing, we have some few minutes. Okay, so I think we have enough for today. There is some content to chew, ruminate, digest, process, and hopefully <laughs> apply in, in practice. So, <clears throat> thank you so much for your presence. And uh, today is uh, Friday. Of course, we have today's lecture not on Thursday because yesterday we have this Advaita Saptami lecture my Guru Maharaj. So next lecture will be as usual on Monday, next Monday. So we will go back to a normal day for, for one time <laughs> because after that next lecture will be next Friday again because next Thursday will be Nityananda Triodasi and again we will be having a lecture of my Guru Maharaj at this, at this time. So see you next uh, Monday. Thank you very much. Srila Gurudev Ki Jai. Sriman Mahaprabhu Ki Jai. Shri Harinam Sankirtan ki jai, <clears throat> Sarakadeha ki jai, Gaur Bhakta Vrind ki jai, Gaur Praman Haribo.